So we are currently studying the person and work of Christ in Colossians chapter 1, verse 15 to verse 23. This is part of our exploration uh, of the book uh, of Colossians. Uh, This is a letter that Paul wrote to the church at Colossae. Now, so far, we have learned four important truths about Christ in this section we've been looking at. First, we have learned that Christ is God. That's verse 15, isn't it? He is the image of the invisible God. Christ is our one and only true God. The second truth we've learned is that Christ is supreme over all things, over all creation. And so verse 15 continues by saying, is the firstborn of all creation, firstborn really over all creation. The third truth we learned is that Christ is our creator. He is the author, the agent, and the goal of creation. And we looked at verse 16, which says that, For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things, all things were created through him and for him. The fourth truth we learned, we looked at it last week, which is that Christ is our eternal sustainer, is our timeless sustainer, and that's in verse 17. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Those are the four truths. Today we're looking at the fifth truth about Christ, and it is in verse 18. Verse 18 says, And is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. So how would we summarize that truth that Paul is teaching us in verse 18? Well, I've summarized it as simply this, that Christ is the head of the church. Christ is the head of the church. Paul has moved from speaking about Christ as a creator, now to talk about him as the redeemer, as the head of the church. Now, we're going to look at this truth in verse 18 in two parts, right? I was planning just to look at it in one part, but we're going to look at it in two parts, which means we have to return to verse 19. We have to look at verse 19 next week. So we'll look at verse 18. This morning, we'll look at what it means for Christ to be the head of the church. What does that mean? We'll look at that this morning. In the evening, we'll look at the purpose for which Christ is the head of the church. What is the reason why Christ is the head of the church? And to do that in this evening, we'll look at particularly that last sentence in verse 18, that in everything it might be preeminent. So that's the idea, the first part and the second part. Now, of course, when we're talking about the church, we need to be clear what we're talking about, right? There's a lot of confusion about this word, church, right? In the Bible, the church is not this building, right? This chapel is not the church of Christ. Even though sometimes we say, I'm going to church, or I'll meet you outside the church, where this building is actually not the church. We're not speaking correctly, right? Also, the church is not everyone who attends the local church. It's important we understand that. Uh, There are many people who attend church who are not part of the true church. They do not have a true and personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. So they are not part of the church. So what is the church? Well, 
The church is made up of people from different races and backgrounds and across time who have been chosen by God to belong to Christ. They belong to Christ, of course, because of the death and resurrection of Christ. And Christ has given them this new life by God the Holy Spirit who now lives in them. So they were once dead in sin, as all human beings are, but God has regenerated them, given them new life. They are the living beings now, and they now belong to this living body called the church. Of course, we become part of the church, therefore, by being born again. And that's why Jesus said to Nicodemus, you must be born again. When we are born again, God gives us new life by his Holy Spirit that produces true faith in Christ and genuine repentance from sin. And of course, the church has members on earth and members in heaven, the saints that have gone before us. You see, the church is the only body that never loses its members. It just keeps on adding because God keeps everyone he serves. So the church has got members on earth, members in heaven. That's why sometimes the church, properly being talked about, we refer to it as a universal church or the church invisible. The invisible church. That is to say the church that is on earth and in heaven and across the world. Of course the invisible church is made visible when true followers of Christ gather in person as we are doing here. We are a visible local church that belongs to the invisible church. So that's the church. And in this verse, it is teaching us that Christ is the head of the invisible church. And by extension, therefore, Christ is the head of every local church of true believers. It has to be a church of covenanted true believers. So not every so-called church is a church. This is what the church is. A church in which Christ is the head, made up of truly regenerated individuals. Now this morning, I want us to look at two truths that Colossians 1 verse 18 teaches us about what it means for Christ to be the head of the church. Just two truths there in your outline. The first truth is that Christ... Is the head of the church as his body. So the outline sentence there isn't complete. It should say Christ is the head of the church as his body. That's important. Now the Bible uses different images to describe the church. In the Gospel of John, for example, the church is a ship of God. Christ referred to the church, to, to his people as a flock. And Christ himself is the good shepherd. So that's one image. Sheep, shepherd. In Ephesians, Paul paints the picture of the church as a building with Christ as the foundation or the cornerstone that is holding the building together. And Peter later on picks this up in his letter to the exiles where he paints the church as a temple that is being built up. So that's one image, a building, a temple, another image there. In the same letter of Peter to the exiles, the church is also pictured as a new race of people. With the, within a new nation set apart by God to showcase his glory. We've already seen the church has been pictured here as a kingdom of God. That's verse, uh, 13, verse, verse 13 and 14 there in Colossians chapter 1. So we've got these many and wonderful images. We can think of Ephesians 5, for example, that pictures the church as a bride and Christ as the husband. 
So we have many wonderful images of the church. Why is that? Well, because the church is like a beautiful diamond. The different images are all different perspective on the glorious beauty of this diamond called the church. The church of our Lord Jesus Christ. And in this passage, Paul gives us one of the most popular images of the church. The church is a living body with Christ as our living head. Look at verse 18. And he is the head of the body, the church. The church is not a club or some man-made organization. The church is a living organism. It is a body made up of different parts sharing the same life. And it has a head, Christ Jesus. And that's understandable, isn't it? Because for a human body to be genuinely alive, it must have a living head, right? The same is true with the church. Christ is the living head of the church. He is the head of the body, the church. What does it mean for Christ to be the head of the church? Well, it means the same thing that it means for your head to be the head of your body, right? Christ does for the church what your head does for your body. The human head gives life and consciousness to the body. If your head is cut off, that is the end of your life. That is because the head gives life and consciousness and it directs your body, doesn't it? The head, has, think about it, has all the major sensory organs of the body. They're in the head. And the most important of these organs is the brain, right? The brain is a centralized conveyor of all information. And somewhere within your brain is also the seat of your mind. Uh, without the brain, well, that's you gone, right? The entire body shuts down. Uh, in the same way, without Christ as our head, the church has no life. It ceases to function. You, as a, if you're truly born again and you belong to the body of Christ, without Christ as the head, you as the body part ceases to exist spiritually. Now this truth that Christ is the head of the body, is the head of the church as his body, it's reminding us an important truth we've touched on already in Colossians, which is that followers of Christ are spiritually connected to Christ in a real and tangible way. As your head is connected to the body, you are connected to Christ in that tangible way. You now share the same life with Christ. You're not Christ, but you are connected to him. That's why the church is referred to as the body of Christ. Because of this union we now share with Christ. If you're truly born again, you share life with Christ the head. As a true believer, you are living in a deep organic relationship with Christ. All who are part of the body of Christ have this permanent union with Christ. And by the way, that, that, just that point, just this image of Christ as being the living head of the body... Sorts out all this debate about can I lose my salvation or not. Well, you can't. Because you are permanently connected to Christ, your head. As your head is attached to the body. Christ 
is the head of the church as his body. So what implication does that have for us this morning? Well, just two things that should, what that should mean for us. First of all, we should give thanks to God for that. Let us thank Christ for making us part of his body, the church. Beloved, we must never forget who the Lord Jesus Christ is. And the blessing of going through Colossians is that we have already seen there in front of us, verse 15 to verse 17, that describes who Christ is. Christ is our all-powerful and all-present and all-knowing God. He's the author, agent, and goal of creation, we have said. He's our timeless sustainer. We've seen that in those verses. But we also know from the rest of Scripture that Christ is God. Holy, isn't he? As God. He's unchanging. He's self-sufficient. He's self-existent. He's Christ is infinite in glory, in power, in wisdom, in knowledge, in purity, in kindness. And Christ is rich in all his perfection, in all goodness. That's our head. That's our head. And then look at us. Look at us. What are we in our natural selves? What are you in your natural self? Fragile. Weak. Often without joy. We are constantly drowning in the vomit of our sin and fully deserving of the wrath and judgment of hell. Rebels at heart. That's human beings in our nature. And yet our Lord Jesus Christ loves us so much that he has given himself graciously to you, to you and I, vow sinners, Christ, as it were, as the, the, the pure, the living, the holy, the eternal herd, has attached himself to this vow thing. And we're taught in, 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 in uh, Ephesians, he has purified that. He has purified his bride. That's another image, isn't it? He has made us his. That's grace, beloved. That's grace. And with Christ now being our head, he has given himself to be your wisdom when you need answers. Christ is now your infinite strength when you are weak. Christ is your fountain of joy in, in whatever situation you're in. Christ is now your shepherd, provider, protector, guide, leader. You lack nothing in Christ because Christ is your head. You lack nothing in this life. That truth should make us pause, reflect, and bow down in worship if we know this Christ. Thank Christ for being your head. Thank Christ that because you trust in him, you are part of his, and you are part of his body, you are not on your own anymore. You are attached to the living head. That's a hymn 509, I think we might sing that later. Alive in him, my living head. Thank Christ that he, he lovingly gave all of himself to you as his head. You know, if Christ had instead given you a hundred million galaxies to own, that would still be crazy love. If Christ had given us a billion angels to love and care for us rather than himself, that would still be mind-boggling. Something mind-boggling for God to do. 
But beloved, Christ has done something infinitely more than that. He has given you himself as your head. All of himself. Very God of very God. All of himself to be your head. So this morning, just pause. It's been a hectic week. A lot has been going on in your life. You're tired, perhaps. Pause. That's why I love Sunday. You pause. You take it in. You are here this morning in this local church because Christ has made us his body. He is our head. I don't know about you, but the, the world often makes me feel not just small, but anxious. I'm finding this word more and more unpredictable. Maybe it's just kind of, a, I'm getting older, I guess. Right? But I just feel the word is, is very unpredictable at the moment. And there are moments when my thoughts turn inwards. Where is this world going? Do I even matter? How will I face the challenges of tomorrow? This is why we need this verse, isn't it? We, as a local church, need this verse. As, as people living together in an increasingly dark world with so much uncertainty in life. Paul is saying to us, look, because we are true followers of Christ, our life in this world is actually not small. And it's not an accident. We are the body of Christ. We belong to the eternal Christ, our living head. We are lovingly owned by Christ. He has lovingly attached himself as our head, permanently, as I said, eternally secure in him. And you know, no human being ever takes a chainsaw and starts cutting off his body parts. Only a mad person does that, isn't it? No real human being can do that. You take off your, you know, your chains and start cutting off your body parts. No human being does that. They know that's the end of them. Only a mad person do that. Mad people do that. Beloved, our Savior is not a mad person. He is infinitely wise. Christ will never lose his mind and start cutting us off from his body. He loves us as his body, the church. And he will keep caring us for us. Corporately and individually as his parts. So this morning, let this truth just, whatever you've been going through the past week, whatever is on your mind, let this truth renew your love and confidence in Christ your head. Let it move your heart to worship him and adore him as our head. So that's the first response to this, isn't it? The first response is I thank Christ for being your head. The second thing, I think, this truth that Christ is the head of the church as his own body demands, is that it demands from us that we should prize highly the church, the body of Christ. We should prize it. Why? Because Christ is the head of the body, the church. As I said, the body, the body of the church includes the local body, the local church. Christ attaching himself to the church gives the church infinite worth, isn't it? Uh, that's, you know, the kids who do maths, I guess, at school. You know, if, if you've got any number and you add infinity, what do you get? You get infinity, don't you? That, that's it. Yeah. Any number plus infinity is infinity. Well, Christ is infinity. Add any believer to Christ. 
it gives that believer infinite worth. Add any church of true believers to Christ. They have infinite worth. The, the, the worth is the infinity. The worth is Christ himself who is infinite in all his perfections. It doesn't matter really what we are in of ourselves. Our value as a church comes from who Christ is. And this verse is saying to us, don't look upon the church, beloved. Look, it's saying, don't look upon the church as a headless body. Do not even look upon your own life as a headless body. If you are in Christ, you must see the church and yourself as, as, as having this living head with infinite worth. And so what that means is that we must prize a church as a full living body with Christ as a head. And this verse is immediately challenging us, isn't it? To value the church. And valuing the invisible church starts by valuing the visible body, which is the expression of the invisible church. It starts by valuing this local church you are in. And when we value something, we are committed to it, isn't it? We give our love, our life, and power to that thing. We give all of ourselves to it. We are not merely consumers. We are investors, we might say, in that thing. Because this is the model that Christ our head has set for us. He has committed all of himself to nature and care for us as his living body, as his local church. And so we too must value this local fellowship by giving ourselves to it. If we are convinced this church is made up of true regenerate believers, and it's a church that is being led to see Christ, to Christ himself as a living head, then we have no option but to give ourselves to it. By formally committing ourselves, of course, to the life of the church. And of course, biblically, that means committing ourselves into the membership of the church. To covenant with local believers here. And so the question this passage immediately raises in your heart is this. Have you resolved in your heart that this local church is your spiritual home at this stage in your life? Have you resolved in your heart that the people sat next to you are not just people you meet on Sunday. They are part of the same body you belong to. That they are your family. That you are part of the same spiritual building. Have you resolved that? Or in your heart, are you still keeping those people distant from you? Have you resolved that question? And most importantly, it's not simply mentally resolving it. Have you shown your heartfelt commitment to Christ, the head of our local church, by formally becoming a church member here? There's a lot of misunderstanding about church membership, but church membership is simply you saying to Christ, I recognize you are the head of the local church. I recognize that this is a church founded, rooted in Christ. I recognize that you are head here and I am submitting myself to you to, 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 to love you here and to serve you here. 
You see, in church membership, I mean, we, I hear a lot about what goes on in churches, of course, and as I said, not every church is a true church, so let's remember that. But not even every true church is being run in a biblical way. We should allow for that. But if we are convinced that we are in a local church with Christ as a head, then we have no excuse not to commit to the local church we are in. But you must remember that in committing to the local church, you're not submitting to the pastor first. You're not even submitting to the membership. In church membership, we submit first to Christ, the head of the local church. And then we give ourselves to, to each other to love and care for each other. The key point is about Christ. If you struggle with the issue of membership, the question you should ask yourself is, why are you struggling with Christ? You're hurt. Now we can say aloud from the rooftop that Christ is the head of the body, the church. But beloved, if we don't treat the local church as his body, his local body, we are hypocrites. And you know what they say about hypocrites? When people say, you know, I don't go to a church because they are hypocrites, well, the answer is there is room for one more. Right? So go there. Or come here. Beloved, if we do not reverence the body of Christ enough to be committed to it in a tangible way, we are sinning against the Lord we claim to love. Christ the head of the local body. So if this is an issue for you, I plead with you in the name of Christ, the head of the church, of this local church, to repent and submit to him in this area right away. If we know what is right in our hearts and we fail to do it, James says, then for us, it is a sin. So if you're a true believer, it's vital you pray about this seriously and you put it right before him. If you're not baptized, then resolve to be baptized and become a member of the local church. If you are baptized, come and talk to me and about the process of becoming a member. The process, I would say, of submitting to Christ as your head in the local church. Now, some of us here are already members of the church. And I think this passage is especially for us. Because Paul puts up Christ here, isn't he? And he is the head of the body, the church. So as members, we accept that. We know that Christ is hurt in this church. We accept that. And we have taken the steps to submit to membership. But the question I ask you is this. Are you just a member on paper? Are we truly church members of this local body in practice? Beloved, we must take this issue very seriously. It is easy for us to be church members on paper with little commitment to the church. The devil always encourages us to be spiritual loan lenders. I probably pronounced that wrong, but you know what I mean. Spiritual loan rangers, right? You know, the John Wayne type on your own, right? But beloved... <laughs> Christ, our head, has never called us to be spiritual hermits. His vision for our life is to be truly visibly belonging in his visible local body, the church. And you get that. So what you must do is examine yourself as a believer who has covenanted with his church. Ask yourself, 
How committed are you to this local body of Christ? Do you, as a church member, have a body mentality or you have a body part mentality? Is your life in Christ about being a living part of the body or it's about my own work and my own needs? It's the saddest thing I see in churches, including our own, where people can be members on paper, and yet they're not really mem- submitting to Christ ahead. You see from their life, the, the way they arrange things, activities, and other things they're up to. They're not submitting to Christ as a head. They haven't got this. Beloved, Remember, Christ is the head of the church, his body. Paul does not say Christ is the head of the body parts. Let's get that right. Paul doesn't say that. Do you know why he doesn't say that? That is to diminish Christ. Yes, it is true that Christ is the head of your life. But beloved, if that's all we think about, then you're diminishing Christ. Because Christ is bigger than that. And as we see in the evening, there's a reason why Christ is the head of the church, not just one individual believer. Yes, it is true Christ is your personal head, but to reduce him to that is to diminish him. To make your life with Christ only about you and your work and what works for you is to diminish him. Christ is the head of the body, the church. So let us today repent and for our lack of commitment to his body, let us resolve to serve his church. And I think that's the only time I've ever... I've been here for five years, but I think it's the only time I've talked about church membership in a message. That's the value of going through expository preaching, isn't it? We confront issues that we don't um, often talk about. Christ is the head of his body, the church as... is the head of the, of the church as his own body. All right? That's the first truth. Which raises the obvious question, isn't it? The obvious question is this. How has Christ become the head of the church? How has this come about? Well, the answer is by his resurrection from death. The resurrection day of Christ was the birthday of the church. And this is our second truth in this verse. The second and final truth. Christ, first of all, is the head of the church as his body. Why? How? Rather... Because Christ is the head of the church by his resurrection. That's the second truth. Everything in creation has a beginning. And everything that has a beginning has a beginner. And the beginner of all things is the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the truth we learned in verse 16, isn't it? For by him all things were created in the heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. Now, Paul, in verse 18, returns to that truth, right, by focusing specifically on the church, which is, of course, part of Christ's creation. And that's what verse 18 is getting at, not what he says. And he's the head of the body, the church. And then he says this, he is the beginning is the beginning. Christ is the power source that created his body, the church. Uh, Christ is not just sustaining the life of the church. 
He created the church in the first place. It's so important we understand that. And how did Christ create the church? Well, the answer is the next sentence in verse 18. He is the beginning, the what? The firstborn from the dead. When sin entered the world, it unleashed death on every human being through Adam. Christ is our second Adam who has come to conquer death for us. Christ lived a perfect life and subjected himself to human death, even death on the cross for our sins. Our Lord Jesus died the death we deserve and on the third day he rose from the dead. And now by rising from the dead, Christ has become, the, as it were, the firstborn from the dead for this new race. The point is this, you see, Christ is not the first person to come back from the dead. We know that because Christ himself had raised people from the dead during his ministry, most famously Lazarus, right? But the resurrection of Christ was different from any other comebacks from death. Christ beat death not for himself, but for his body, the church. Christ beat death, as it were, as our representative, as our second Adam. He did it to give us power over death. And that's why Paul calls him here the firstborn from the dead. The first rank from the dead. Christ is our firstborn in the sense of being our Messiah and conqueror over death. And our second Adam. By dying and rising from death, Christ conquered death for us. And indeed, as we'll learn later on, a fundamental truth in Colossians, Christ conquered Death with us because of our faith union with Christ. When Christ died, we died. When he rose, we rose with him. As Paul says there in Colossians 2 verse 11 to 13. You glance over there to chapter 2. He says, in him you also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands. By putting off the body of the flesh. By the circumcision of Christ. Verse 12 of chapter 2. Having been buried with him. In baptism, in which you are also raised with him, through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. And then verse 13 says this, And you who were dead in your trespasses and and circumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our sins. You see that? They alive together with Christ when he rose. Paul is saying that because of our faith union with Christ, when Christ rose from the grave, we also rose with him to new life in Christ. So the resurrection of Christ is the beginning of the church. The church didn't start at Pentecost. The church started on Resurrection Sunday. Because the church is a body of people who were dead in sin, but are now spiritually alive in Christ, our living head. He is the firstborn from the dead. But it is more than simply being spiritually alive. Because Christ is our second Adam, you see. In rising from the dead, Christ himself has become the first fruits of those who are now risen or will be raised from life. Christ has ushered in a new humanity, you see. His glorious body is the prototype of what we'll have on that great day. He is the living head who ushers in a new humanity. So there are two races now. 
in the world. There's old humanity living side by side with the new humanity in Christ. When Christ rose from death, he, 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 by ushering this new humanity, you see, he ushered in really a new creation order on earth. Christ is now making this universe not just great again, but totally new, right? The new universe will come into a, a full operation, of course, when Christ appears and, and creates the new heavens and new earth. But heaven has already broken in. We are now living in the resurrection age where all things are now being made new. And the new humanity in Christ, if you like, is the foretaste of this new, well, I don't want to say new age, because that sounds wrong, isn't it? Of this new resurrection age, right? If you are trusting Christ, you belong to this new humanity. What's the new humanity? The body of Christ. The church. Christ is the living head of this new humanity. This truth that Christ is the head of this new humanity by his resurrection answers two important questions all of us are asking in life. Who am I? And where is my life going? Well, if you're trusting in Christ, you know who you are. You're a new person with a new humanity in Christ. And you must rest in this identity in Christ. This new identity in Christ. We are all living at a time when people are identifying themselves as this and that, right? But beloved, remember those two races in the world. The old humanity and the new humanity. Any identities in the old humanity, they're all broken, fractured identity, right? If you're a child of God, there's only one identity that matters, that you are part of this new humanity. You have left behind these broken identities of the fallen race. And so you must now rest in your glorious new identity as part of the body of Christ. When you go to work, you must see yourself as belonging to a new race. You must resolve to think of yourself as belonging to a new race. To do your work as a person who belongs to a new race. To love your wife as a person who is belonging to this new humanity. That's a Christian challenge. To face your problems, your difficulties at work, whatever is going on, face them as a new, as part of a new humanity. Not relying on the tools of the whole foreign race, but relying on this new humanity that Christ has ushered in. Do not look to the world for your identity. Do not give yourself to sin. Do you see how foolish sin is? Sin is trying to be the old you. That's foolish. Raised in your new humanity in Christ. Secondly, I think this truth, because Christ is, is the head of the church by his resurrection, not only does this answer the question of who we are, it, it, it reminds us that we have a great future with Christ. You don't have to worry about where, this, where you are headed. You are destined to put on a new resurrected body like the body of Christ. The resurrection of Christ is a guarantee of your own resurrection on that great day. The future of the body of Christ is bound up with the life of Christ. And Paul makes this point later in chapter 3, which we'll look at in the future. He says, verse 1 to 4, If you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above. Look, don't seek the things of the old humanity. Seek the things of the new humanity of which you are part of. Because that's it. Look to heaven because where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. 
Verse 2 says, set your mind on things above, not on things that are on earth, not the things of the fallen race. For you have died to your old humanity, Paul says, and your life is now hidden, you see, in this new humanity in Christ, with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your very life, who is your very new humanity, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. That's Colossians 3, verse 4. And that's a teaching that Paul is getting us to appreciate, isn't it? A time is coming when all who trust in Christ will be raised physically from the dead. And we shall put on a new resurrected body. The body that Christ now has, our living head in heaven. Now, I don't know, maybe you're struggling with, at the moment with... Um, Emotional or physical pain or other things. Perhaps you feel very rotten inside. You feel lonely and worthless and disappointed with life in general. Or you may just be struggling to hold on to Christ. Perhaps you even have doubts about what God is up to in your life. Well, the Bible is saying to us this morning, keep your focus on Christ. Do not despair. Do not be like the foreign humanity. You have this new humanity in Christ. Christ is the head of your body. He has your life. He has your future. He's not about to hack you off, you know, cut you off. You are his. He's the head. He's now reaching you. Keep remembering these two truths we've learned today. Remember, Christ is the head of the church's body. He has given you a new life. You are safe in his care. And keep remembering that Christ, the second truth, is your head by his resurrection. You know who you are. And you know where you are headed. And give thanks to God for that. Amen.